Okay, um, we're going to dive into our passage this morning in Psalm 13, and I'd like to read that for you. I didn't read it, did I? Did I? <laughs> you tried doing this three times. All right. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Father, we come this morning, we come with the confidence that you are the God that sees us. You see into our hearts, you know every question, every person in anguish, every person that has been wronged and is feeling the pain of rejection or the sorrow of broken relationships. Lord, you know all of our stuff. And God, it is to you then that we come and ask that you would be our teacher. Lord, I do long that people would come to experience the beauty of biblical lament. So I ask that you would teach us to that end this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. The death of Kobe Bryant and his daughter and seven other individuals on a helicopter last Sunday plunged our culture into a week-long season of mourning. It was amazing to see how many talk show hosts and broadcasters would start to talk about the situation and just start crying, break down, falter in their comments uh, it was impactful. It was impactful to watch Carmelo Anthony, who is a friend of Kobe, who, though Kobe is retired, Carmelo is still playing, unable to make the trip to L.A. for a game they had Friday night because he knew they were going to be holding a memorial, a, a remembrance video for his friend Kobe, and he couldn't even be in the building. It was just too painful. Death and losing someone close to you is among the most powerful moments of pain any of us will ever experience. For the family and friends of Kobe and the other victims of the crash, most of the week has been spent in shock and disbelief. Memories are filling minds and hearts, but soon something else will set in, particularly for those that are people of faith. They will feel the need for the journey of lament. Lament is described by this definition. It's what we're using in this series. Lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. Lament is not just crying or mourning for pain or loss. Lament is more than that. Lament is a uniquely Christian, uniquely people-of-faith-oriented thing. Lamenting, as it is described to us biblically, 
is struggling not only with the sense of loss and sorrow and pain and suffering. Lament is bringing with that also the confusion of this pain, suffering, sorrow happening in the context of a God that is good. It is the paradox of putting those things together. It is, it is resulting in the questions like, how can this be? Why did this happen? Because there is the belief that there is an overarching hand. Now, an atheist does not lament in the biblical sense of lamenting. He's not questioning why did God allow this? There is no God. He's not questioning why isn't there, why is, why is, what's the purpose of this? Because there is no purpose ultimately. There's no guiding hand. Lament is not only the pain, lament involves the confusion of where God fits into this thing. Mourning a death is one of the greatest forms of pain we experience, but there are many, many others where we suffer and reasons that we suffer pain. People respond to pain differently, even those that are people of faith often fall into one of two camps when walking through a season of pain. And I would suggest these responses to pain is not the one that we're going to find in the Psalms of Lament. But many people respond to pain with continual denial. They seem to think that that godliness means they must try to project an air of contentment that is more like denial. That they're responding, how are you doing? Uh, Everything's fine but they don't seem fine. And it's obvious they're not fine. But it seems that, 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 that to have a stoical perspective, demeanor, is everything's good, everything is good, is, is somehow associated with, with godliness. Continual denial is one way people respond to pain, but I would suggest to you it is not the one advocated in the book of Psalms. Secondly, some people have unresolved anger. Other people are so filled with anger at God that they live in a self-made prison of despair or bitterness that can lead to despair. The pain gives rise to rage, and it affects their entire spiritual journey. Many people need to be either coaxed off the cliff of their anger or out of the cave of their hiding. Biblical lament offers an alternative. Through godly groaning, through godly expressing our pain to God, we are able to express our disappointment and move toward true resolution. Lament is how those who trust God address their pain. It is how God intended it. It is what God offers to us. God wants you to bring your pain to him. God really wants you to grow through the pain he has allowed in your life, but you will not grow as he desires if you do not follow the path of lament. And in this series, we're trying to do an overview of these 50 passages, these 50 individual psalms, most of them written by David, to get a sense of how does God lead us in a season of sorrow or pain or struggle or and and I would suggest to you you're going to have some of those moments this week but let's look at the four stages of lament we've highlighted them last time they are not necessarily sequential but the first one is first we go to God 
Second, we talked about that a whole sermon last time. What that means, why it's important, what the options are. Number two, we are encouraged to groan, to express our pain. You'll see in the Psalms of Lament, there is always an asking for God's help in specific ways, in specific situations. It's illuminating to understand what people were led to ask for by God in the face of particular unique situations. And fourth, to choose to trust God, to go, to groan, to ask, to trust. This is the path. And today we're looking at the second of these, the darkest, the one that we tend to bypass the quickest and the most readily, but just as essential as them all. We are encouraged to groan, to express our pain. So what do the Psalms, I'm going to answer two questions this morning, or try to, from these 50 plus Psalms. And the first is, what do these Psalms teach you to groan about? And there are three things that are highlighted in the Psalms. Number one, we are encouraged to lament our own anguish. That's what he's talking about in the first three verses of this Psalm. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? I have sorrow in my heart all the day. How long are you going to leave me here? He's questioning. There's sorrow and internal pain with this man. In Psalm 6, another lament psalm, he says it this way. My soul is greatly troubled. I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. The pain is palpable for the author. It is is emotional pain that is affecting him physically. It's true throughout these Psalms. There are so many passages that talk about how my bones are aching, how how my heart feels like it's breaking, and all these different visuals that he talks about, about how there's physical impact Reminded me as I was studying that and looking at all these different psalms and just trying to summarize all these things, we find that they actually did groan about and bring his pain to God and just summarize all this in a giant grid from all these psalms. I was struck how many times he talks about the physical impact of his pain. Reminded me of the, 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 the tin man and the old Wizard of Oz. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about, but... Uh, the tin man, here he is, guy to the left, and he didn't have a heart. And, he, always, and he, he wanted to go to the Wizard of Oz to get his heart, and he gets a heart, even though it's just a chain around his neck with a red heart. There it is. Um, now he's got his heart. But I remember one scene when Dorothy's leaving, and he says, um, and he's sad, and he says, now I know I've got a heart because it's breaking. And I remember just thinking, well, that's weird. And I don't know what that even means. I, I didn't know what that meant until a handful of years ago when I lost my son to death. And for the first time in my life, I knew what it meant to literally feel like your heart was breaking. It was a physical reality. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. The, un- the excruciating, ju- it's just overwhelming. It's physical, but it's born out of loss and sorrow and pain. The psalmist is so familiar with that kind of verbiage Pain comes in many forms. Lament speaks into all the sorrows of life, no matter how small or big. 
Sorrow can enter your life through the loss of a loved one, through unfulfilled longings or loneliness, an ailing body, an unfair supervisor at work. It can come in the form of a job loss, financial struggles, a broken relationship, or ongoing conflict in a marriage. Your heart can groan under the weight of infertility or cancer or a failed adoption, an adulterous spouse, wayward children. But it also can be much smaller things that are the ground for lament. Really, any disappointment is cause for lament. If it is big enough for us to struggle with it, to have questions about what God is doing or why he allowed it, it's the basis of lament. That's why you'll probably have things in the next few days, maybe the next few hours, that are going to be, well, why did that happen? Or why didn't that happen? Or why, did I, why is this going on? Or what was that about? God, there's the questions. So it doesn't have to be giant questions. It doesn't have to be giant moments of pain. Lamenting is for any moment there is, there is a disappointment or a surprise or a loss or something that causes us to, to struggle with what's going on. Why this? Why now? How long? It speaks to any of the anguish of our souls. But lament is not only for times when we have those acute awareness of our own anguish, it is also for about people's injustice. You'll notice he highlights that in this passage. He said, you know, how long do I have the sorrows in my heart? But he also says this in verse 2, how long will my enemy triumph over me? Verse 4, and my enemy will say, I've overcome him. My foes will rejoice when I fall. Interestingly, this is the most oft-repeated lament, source of lament in these psalms. David struggled most with people, the pain that others caused him. Just for a quick reminder of who David is, David was a, a godly young man. He grew up in a family, a father named Jesse, seven brothers, all older. He was the kid brother. He was the overlooked one, the underappreciated one, as those of you that have grown up as younger brothers, you're probably out there saying, preach it, man. Um, he also probably was a good athlete because he had to keep up with these, all these guys, so you got some benefits. But, but he, when Jesse was approached by a prophet named Samuel, and Samuel said, God has revealed to me that one of your boys is going to be the king of Israel. Maybe remember what happened. Jesse, Jesse tr tr trooped out all his sons, except for one. The seven boys are out there, and he thinks, I wonder which one it's going to be. Is it going to be this guy? Is it going to be this guy? No, 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 no. It was David, but David wasn't even in the, in the, he wasn't even in the competition. His father didn't even bring him out. And, he, and Samuel said, oh, do you have any other sons? Well, yeah, I got, I mean, I got David. Well, give him a, let's give him a run. And turns out he was the guy. David eventually went into Saul's administration, the first king of Israel, Saul, big, tall, rugged, manly guy. Here's David. The, the impression is he was not those things. I mean, a good-looking guy by all accounts, but nothing like Saul, who was just this, this linebacker guy. And Saul disdained David. 
because David got success in, with Goliath and got people writing songs about him, and he grew so jealous of him that Saul continually tried to get him killed. For months, some people believe as much as two years, David is in the wilderness running away from Saul, constantly mistreated, wronged for nothing he's done. Then he became king, and his realm was filled with palace intrigues. Surrounded by hotheads, ambitious associates who created unceasing conflict for him. Surrounding regimes trying to subjugate him. Sons of his trying to unseat him. One who actually did. And enemies constantly trying to kill him. It is hard to imagine anyone living with more vulnerability and danger and more relational disappointments than David. When this guy talks about injustice, when this guy talks about, and he talks often in the Psalms of Lament, of whisperings, one of his things he laments is not only those that opposed him, it was the other people that were affected by that and the whisperings that were going on. He understood being wronged. He understood injustice. He understood betrayal. And so when he talks about people's injustice, He's somebody, if you feel you've been treated unjustly, you need to get to know this guy. He knows this world, but he also knows how God speaks into this world. So he talks about injustice, and in two ways it's manifested in his Psalms of Lament. First of all, what people did to him. He uses a number of metaphors to describe it. And I thought it would just be interesting. I'm just going to read them real quick, these metaphors. Um, one of the metaphors that he habitually uses in his Psalms of Lament is this one. A lion with its prey. He would be the prey. Psalm 7, like a lion they tear my soul apart, rending it to pieces. Psalm 10, he lurks in anguish like a lion in his thicket. Psalm 57, my soul is in the midst of lions. I lay down among fiery beasts. Psalm 17, they now surround me like lions, hungry for prey. Another one he uses is, is the picture of storms and giant winds. And In one passage, he uses this particular term, talking about people, storms of destruction. I'll take refuge in Psalm 57 till the storms of destruction pass by. He uses it of a hunter with a net trying to catch game, and he's the game. And he says, Psalm 31, they have hidden a net for me. In another psalm, he says, they set a net for my steps and have dug a pit for me to fall into. And maybe my favorite, because it just, it just gives a picture of what he felt. He uses expressions like they are a pack of snarling wild dogs, like this picture of the... Uh, these are African wild dogs with a, with a hyena in the middle. But the idea, he says in Psalm 59, they return at evening snarling wild, like dogs and prowling about the city. The result is, as he talks about his injustice, there's a deep desire on David's part for vindication. He said, they, they've got the microphone. These people have wronged me, and they're passing the message on, and, and, and I want to be vindicated. He doesn't try, cry, call so much for vengeance. He does some. But basically, it's just, 
God, where are you? Why are you allowing this to go on? Why, why so much office intrigue? Why are you allowing these whispers to go on among the people I care about? Why are you allowing this to go on? These are struggles for David. They're real struggles. Maybe you can identify. They're also, he's also lamenting what, lamenting what people do to other people. Psalm 10, and I'm only reading a few of many verses, in arrogance the wicked hotly pursue the poor. He sits in ambush in the villages. In hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes steadily watch for the helpless. God's people are at time called to public laments for the downtrodden and the oppressed. To pray for justice for others, not only for ourselves. There are times when we just feel others' pain. And we want to take up their offense. We want to do battle for them. And there can be a place for that. But the most important place is is to lament that and bring that to God in the appropriate way. David did that. He lamented when others were wronged. Lament Psalms teach us to lament our own pain of loss, our own sorrow and disappointments, our own injustice against us, but also the injustice done to others. But there's a third thing to lament in the Psalms, and that is the silence of God. That's what our psalmist starts with, how long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? How long will this last? Look at the things he says. He says, how long Will you hide your face from me? How long will it be till you'll intervene? Till you do something? Will things never change? Ever feel that way? This is David. Says it all the time. How long? How long? This is not the only psalm he's talking about. How long? He uses expression a lot in the psalms. How long will you hide your face from me, God? How long will I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will this stuff go on that is just filling me with sorrow, he says? How long will I feel like this? Will I ever feel happy again? God, will I ever feel happy? And how long will my enemy triumph over me? God, how long is my enemy going to keep winning? How long is, is my boss? How long is my competitor how long is my coworker? How long is so and so? How long is my ex-wife, my ex-husband? How long are they going to win? Anybody ever felt that way? David did. And he gives us words and he gives us psalms for just such moments. So how are we to groan to God when God is silent, when we feel injustice, or we're dealing with our own anguish of loss or pain or disappointment? Well, four simple principles I'd like to share. Number one, we go to God. We don't go to social media and threads. Even in your political or social convictions of right or wrong, when you feel injustice is being done, you don't start there. If you do, if you don't first 
take your sense of injustice and, and, and the hot under the collar sense that you feel that, that this is not right, this is going on. If you don't first process that with God and do it in the ways he's going to lay out in these Psalms, you will find that your words, whether you feel you intended this or not, will come across with vitriol and venom when expressed in the wrong form. We are to go to God. God may lead you to write something. God may lead you to take a stand about something. But you better go to God with those feelings before you go anywhere else. And we have all seen how individuals that we all know, family, friends, others, we look at posts and we say, I can't even believe this is the person I know. We must go to God. Secondly, we must go humbly. Proud, demanding questions from a heart that believes it has owned something from God will never lean into true, true lament. You know, it, it, when you read the Psalms of David and some of these laments, many of you will read them for the first time and you go, wow, whew, that's a scorcher. I mean, some of the things David says and the way he says it, and wow, I wouldn't feel free to say that. Well, then I would say don't, but but you'll find you are much more free and encouraged to speak earthy to God than maybe you've ever spoken before. But there's also a danger here. It can be exciting to hear how earthly David speaks to God. Great! I like the idea of giving God a piece of my mind. Usually that comes in a time when we're trying to give everybody a piece of our mind. We're to come humbly. We're to come frankly, we're to come emotionally. But if you're not sure how to groan, you're thinking, well, wait a minute. On the one hand, you're saying, you know, I should bring how I really feel and what I'm really expressing. And on the other hand, you're saying I should humbly. I don't feel very humble. I feel mad. I feel furious. I, I feel rage. I, I feel hurt and anger. and I feel wronged. Here is my suggestion. If you want to come humbly, but you find, I don't know how to, what that looks like, that's what the Psalms of Lament are for. They are to give you words to speak. They give you words, first of all, to express your pain. And if you go to the Psalms of Lament, and you just, you just land there and say, Psalm 13, God, how long? I mean, that's exactly how I feel. Lord, these are my questions. You're expressing those questions to God. God, am I, am I, am I ever going to be happy again? I mean, you express those questions, but what you will find is there are other words in the psalm. There are other things that God led David to do. That's why they're in the scripture, to provide a template for you. And yes, they will give you words to express the essence of your struggle, but they will also provide boundaries to keep your words and your lament on track, leading you to trust that you will find that you are led in the midst of also in the groaning and maybe an honest expression to God that you've never felt the freedom to share. I, I want to unleash you to that. But I also want to say, don't just vent. The Psalms of Lament, they did vent. They shared real stuff, real pain. Track with them there, but also track with them 
when you see, as they did express their pain, what did they ask God for? You'll find many times, that's exactly what I, I understand. That's what I, Lord, that is what I need too. They will teach you to trust and to praise. It will lead you. So if you want to make sure that you are lamenting with humility, let the expert, God, lead you through the Psalms of Lament. That is exactly why they're in the book. David's reason for coming to God is not to just vent. His reason to coming to God is to know God, to be changed. He wants to have God remake him even in the midst of real emotion and pain. We come humbly if we come with that heart. Third, be honest. Use questions. The two most oft-repeated questions in all of these psalms are these. How long and why? That's going to probably be yours. How long and why? Mark Brogop, in his book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, as I mentioned last week, whenever we do a sermon series, we try to have a common life display. It's right over by the hub on the wall. It's books that parallel the subject that we're studying, and you can pick up those books online. And one of the books there is this one by Mark Rogop, um, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. And in it, he tells this story. He tells the story of when he was younger and actually many years' journey, he and his wife were never able to um, have a child. They conceived, but they kept losing their children. Uh, they never had a child born um, viably that lived. And so this went on for years, and it was an incredible pain, unbelievable pain for them. And he told the story of they went into the doctor's office and they, the OBGYN, and they were, they were really hopeful with this one. It seemed like they were well into the pregnancy. It, things were going. And um, they were nervous. They're praying. Others are praying for them. This is the giant thing. She's being very careful physically with her health, everything. And they went in and uh, they did the ultrasound and they saw the doctor's face just blanch. And then he said, there's, there's no line. There's no response. The child is gone. And it just did what you would expect it would do to them. They went out into the car and they're just, it's unspeakably heartbreaking. And they start talking and they, they, they began in a faltering way to just lament to God. God, why? How? And he records in the book what his wife prayed when she finally could give words. This was her statement. She said, God, I know you are not mean, but it feels like you are today. God can handle that. He can handle that. That's what the Psalms of Lament are. God's saying, when you feel like I'm mean, you can tell me. When you feel like I'm un, 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 unjust, when you feel like I'm distant, you can tell me. I'm willing to hear it. We don't, I, I had a guy after the 8.15 serve, eight, what is it, 8 o'clock service. He came up to me and, and I just met him. And he said, he's been attending here for a while, I guess. But he said, uh, 
I've been a believer for a number of years and told me a little bit of a story, but he said, I, I, uh, I've gone through some more difficult things in the last few years. And he said, I always thought that I needed to shoulder it and tough it through. And he said, just hearing these psalms, he said, I'm realizing that I intentionally, uh, this is a little earthy, but he said, I, I feel like I intentionally forced on myself spiritual constipation. And he said, I'm, I've, I've borne the pain of that. The, 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 and he said that I have voice to express these things. And it, 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 it was a beautiful picture to me, not the constipation part. <laughs> it's not really as beautiful, but you get the idea. Let's move on to the next part. Okay, be honest to use questions, but also, and, and remember this, Remember this, Jesus said this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He asked why. He was quoting Psalm 22, a lament psalm. He allowed the words of the psalmist to give him speech when he talked to the Father. All right, not only ask your questions, bring your frustrations. I mean, list in your journal everything that's troubling you. If you're not a journaler, it's a great time to start. And talk to God about them. My favorite statement I heard of somebody actually bringing their frustrations to God is by Teresa de Avila. Teresa de Avila was a, a, a believer of the 1500s. I was introduced to her through a class I had a few years ago, my doctor of ministry class, when I was required to read her book, The Interior Castle, without question, the hardest book to read of my whole life. I would never have made it past, past page four. But it's this beautiful story, and her vision of the interior castle is just the, the seven stages of spiritual growth and trusting God. It honestly was the hardest book I've ever read. I mean, I just felt like either I am just a, 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 a total intellectual incompetent or this woman is the worst writer I've ever, but, but I'll let you pick. But it, it, but I fell in love with Teresa de Avila when I heard this story. It was in her biography and Teresa de Avila was traveling and she really did love the Lord and knew him intimately, but she, back in those days, all the roads were dirt, of course, and uh, no asphalt. And so she's on this dirt road, and there's a giant thunderstorm that's been going on, apparently, for days, and the road is just filled with mud, and it's still raining, and she's on her little ox cart or donkey cart, and it's, she's all alone out in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a rainstorm, in the middle of mud, and the wagon sort of gets shifts in, in a, a mud, section of soft mud, and the wagon wheel, the wooden wagon wheel, broke off. And so she's now stuck there. And she tells in her story that she, she just looked to God in the midst of the rain, and she said, God, if this is how you treat your friends, how do you treat your enemies? And God can take that. He knew her heart. She's honest. She's just, she talks to God. She enjoys God. And her writings are all about growing in your trust with God. I, I, honestly, she's a woman I look forward to meeting one day in heaven and talking to her. 
as long as she doesn't ask me how I felt about her book. Um, <laughs> the fourth thing, so we, we, we're honest with God. We bring our stuff. Don't just groan. This is important. Don't just groan. Complaint, groaning, expressing our pain was never meant to be an end in itself. It's not just a therapy venting session where you, you know, you, you don't want to punch, you're not allowed to punch the person you, you work with, so you, you, you go to the gym and you smash their face in your mind by a punching bag. That's not the goal. You, you're not going to feel any happier about your coworker if you do that. It's not an end in itself. We don't just go to God like a spiritual punching bag. We, we do go and share our pain. But lament is prayer in pain that leads to trust. That we recognize that I want to get words to express my pain from God. But I also want to hear the words that lead me to ask Him for help. That lead me to trust Him. And the Psalms of lament are designed to help us with this. I'm going to close with this, and Mike has mentioned the seminar on Saturday. I'd love to have you come, and, and you may be saying, well, I don't, I'm not lamenting. I got nothing to lament. You know, nothing bad's going on in my life. Well, you've still got seven days before the seminar, <laughs> but, but also, anytime you've got questions, anything that goes hard, that's, lament's for you, man, a woman. I mean, it's for you. All right, this is my last statement I'm going to make. What a God we have. He wants to hear it. He wants to hear your stuff. Because he knows that when you honestly process, when you allow him in and and to say, God, where were you? God, how long? God, what in the world is going on? God, why are they winning? Why don't I ever seem to win? That when we come and say, God, I know I got all this, and I, 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 I know you're not mean, but you sure feel mean right now. That can be the voice of allowing God to take you to a place in your journey with him you've never been before. He invites us to do that through lamenting. It involves going to him. It also involves groaning. The goal is that when we bring our prayer in pain, it will lead to trust. Lord, we look to you this morning. There's people in this room or watching online that have incredible burdens you've allowed them to carry. Lord, my my real longing is that we would all learn to trust you more. But to get there, we realize we've got to be honest. We've got to be earthy. So God, teach us through the psalmist to lament that we might better know and love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now go in peace to love and serve and enjoy the Lord.